Welcome to Words of Wisdom. On this podcast, we interview some of the most influential people in the world to uncover how they became the best so that we can help you understand how you can become the best. What is up, everybody? Grant Wise here. Welcome to Words of Wisdom. I am so excited for my interview today because I'm speaking to a very dear friend, Mr. Arjun Dingra. And I absolutely cannot wait to dive into conversation. This man is a two-time world champion in Taekwondo and is currently one of the co-head coaches for Team USA Coaches World Champions. And I, I can promise you, you're going to learn uh, some things today. So Arjun, brother, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks, Grant. It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's good to see you too. On. Dude, I, I want to dive right into just some great questions. I, I've, I've been like stocking up since I knew I was going to talk to you because <laughs> somebody that works okay. with people at the level, like it's all about performance in your world, like in, in, at least in the coaching space. And I know that you do a ton of stuff extremely successfully in business, but what do you see um, really makes up, like, what's the difference? What's the difference in world champions and those that, that don't? Like, what's the difference in the people that perform at an elite level? And what's the difference in those that don't? It's really, I mean, it's the same thing that you hear across pro sports platforms and, and at high levels of business. It sounds almost cliche, but it's mindset, it's mentality, you know, it's mm. mental toughness, you know, resilience, being able to bounce back because so much of, you know, everyone just sees and we're, you know, we were kind of trapped in this in the social media world or in the online space where you just see all the victories and the wins. You see the glamorization, mm -hmm. the sensationalization of someone or something but nobody sees what went into that or yeah. what ship may have been endured, how many losses along the way, you know, might've, you know, you might've had to take to actually get there. And that's where the sauce comes in. And that's where the mental toughness comes in the bouncing back from the disappointment and re retooling yourself, recalibrating yourself to come back. Uh, that's the difference I see in the people that are able to do it. And, you know, there's, there's also just this thing, and I haven't quite figured it out. I'll be honest with you, humbly speaking, if it can be taught, some people are born with it or what, but Floyd Mayweather said it best in that, you know, and he's obviously regarded as generationally the best boxer of his time, whether people like him or not, you know, he's a cocky SOB, but he does back it up. Mm -hmm. And he's weird. He's never been touched. He's never really been in trouble in any of his fights. And everyone wonders, what is it? And he, he said this one time, and I wasn't a huge Floyd Mayweather fan, but I loved this line. He said, look, everyone is good in their private gyms or when they're mm -hmm. alone or they're skipping rope in their garage or they're boxing and hitting in the back. They feel good. But when they get under the big lights, only one of us shines. And that's me. And basically, <laughs> he's, made, he's made for big moments. And that, wow. like, that was so powerful when I heard it. Like He shines in the big moments on the big stage and under the big lights. And what he was saying in essence was that I don't care how good you were leading up to it. When you get in the stage on the stage with me and these lights shine, I'm the one who's going to excel and you're going to kind of cower in it. And it's obviously held true because for 50 plus mega fights that this guy's done, he's never been touched. So he's clearly backing it up. So there's something to that. I think. Have you seen that in, in, you know, in, in performance in Taekwondo, have you seen that in a lot of the people that you coach or did you ever see it in yourself? Absolutely. I felt like it was, it was a bit empowering when I first heard it. And I heard it before the very first world championships that I competed in, in 2007. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, I tried to actually remember it. I remember my walkout during the finals uh, against the, the guy who was the national champion from Argentina. 
that I was facing. And both our names were called out as we went to the ring. And it was, it was a huge arena. It was in London, outside of London, actually. And you, know, a, you can't see the faces because it was so black and dark of the audience, but you could hear it and the mm -hmm. energy. And it's just something that's really hard to put into words. But I just remember like feeling these huge lights and then just stopping for a second. And I kind of developed this mantra that I use now before anything big, where I just would stop. I calm myself down by taking a few deep breaths and I say the same thing every time, which then makes me equal to the moment, which is that everything that's happened to me in my life up to this point has prepared me for this. Mm. I live these moments. I love these moments. I am ready. I say the same, that same phrase every time before I do something big. And I mean, guilty confession. I said it before I hopped on this thing with you because this is a big deal. <laughs> I have so much respect for you and your craft and what you do and what you put out there in the space. So this is a big, this is a big deal. And it's also fun too, but I said that there and it kind of calmed me down and mm. then it, it prepared me for the big lights in its own way and the big stage. And I felt empowered by it. I didn't feel nervous anymore. I felt anxious, which I think there's a big difference. And I'll right. talk about that later in our chat between being anxious and actually being nervous. They're two yeah. different things. They might feel the same, but they're two different things. So I think to you know, bring it back to your question, yeah, I've felt it myself as an athlete, and I see it in the, in the guys that I coach at all ages of those that are ready for the big stage, those that are not. But you know, how do we get them there, and how do they embrace that and kind of roll with that emotion? What are a couple things that you do to ground to those guys that aren't there yet that do maybe feel like maybe they don't understand the difference between you know, being nervous or anxious or, or like – Arjun, I can't go on. I don't, I don't know what to do, man. I'm freaking out. Like, how do you ground people like that, that do get nervous in those situations or anxious? So there's, you know, I mean, there's no replacing the real thing, right? Like you got to yeah. get experience, get ring time, you know, and there's some people that can get up there and do it on their first shot. And now they've got a track record and then they can build mm -hmm. on them. There's other people who get there and they've been there so many times and fallen short for whatever reason. So you can't replace real experience, but we do a lot of visualization. Because on, in any given cycle, in our team that we take to world championships every few years, we will have anywhere between 70 and 80 competitors across all kinds of age, age brackets and groups. But of those 70 to 80, almost a third, sometimes two thirds is complete turnover, which means we've got a guy on that team or a girl or an adult male, adult female, who's doing this for the very first time. And so they don't have any past experience on such a stage. They've competed nationally and maybe in some smaller invitationals around the world internationally, but this is their first time on a huge, huge stage and big stage because you're representing your country. You've got, you know, you've got the flag on your back. Like it's a big honor. Mm -hmm. And you know, what we have to do up to that point is a lot of visualization. So I'll do a lot of meditating with our guys where they're actually envisioning that arena. They're envisioning the noise. We try and do a lot of simulations. And I think that crosses over into business because you can prepare yourself for stuff by doing iterations, simulations, you know, basically like the, it's the old, you know, the old mantra, the age old one of practice makes perfect, but you do it over and over again. And while you can't duplicate it, you can sure as hell create a little bit of that and be able to channel some of that energy to when you do arrive in a big moment, there's some familiarity. There's some part of the brain that has been tricked into knowing, yeah, I've been here. Yeah, I've, I felt this. And of course there's some other, there's some elements that you can't replace. And that's just part of the experience. You just have to go through that. But that's one thing that we do to ground people. And another phrase that I've used with people is that you want to be equal to the moment. When you've got something big coming up, and I think this ties to leadership too, when you've got something big coming up, you want to be equal to it. Because if you come into it bigger than that moment, 
You're going to be cocky. You're going to be overconfident and you're not going to have respect for what it is that you're, what it is that you are aligning with that day, what it is that you're joining or attempting to do. If you come in smaller than it, I call that the whole, you know, the tidal wave, you know, the huge wave mentality, which is you come in kind of like cowering, you're, you're too nervous, you're saying, I'm not ready, I don't know. And that thing is just going to, that event, that moment is going to engulf you like a huge wave takes down a surfer and spits them out at the other end. Yeah. But if you're equal to it, if it's a big moment, you need to be big. And you need to feel and know that you belong. And just even that bit of confidence is enough to allow you to give yourself a chance of putting forth a good performance that day. Win, lose, or draw, at least you're going to be, at least you're going to give yourself a good chance. Because again, if you come in too big, you're not going to respect it. And you're probably going to get knocked on your ass in one way, shape, or form. And if you're too small, you're going to get overwhelmed. So I tell people, be equal to the moment. No matter what it is, just be equal to it. Show it its due respect and prepare for it tirelessly and take it serious. Don't underestimate it. Don't overestimate it. Just be equal to it. And I love that advice. It's so good. I know that um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to revert back just a second. Cause I know this is the favorite things to talk about, but one of like part of what you said in, in, in some of your early comments and, and in your affirmation is that everything I've gone through in my life has prepared me for this moment. What are some of the challenging, like grueling, grimy things that you went through that prepared you to be a top performing elite athlete, somebody elite in business? Like what, what mentally prepared you? If you can think of like even just one story that, that really prepared you uh, the way that you're describing, I think we all have these challenges that we have to overcome and, uh, or get to however you look at it. And I'm interested to know, like, what are some of the challenges that you really had to face the obstacles you went through to get to where you are today? I think it's the same for everyone. They're just losses. If you can tap into the losses, losses aren't really losses in the negative sense. Yes, life and business is zero sum, right? You win or you lose. But losing doesn't have, a, doesn't have to have a sense of finality attached to it. It doesn't have, a, yeah. have a sense of permanence attached to it. A loss is actually a lesson. Wins don't teach you anything. A win simply rewards you for that whole definition of luck, whoever came up with it, of being fully prepared and seizing the opportunity. That's that intersection. That's, that's what a win is. It's rewarding you for that. Losses actually are lessons. So there's no such thing as wins and losses. There's wins and lessons. Every lesson is what's going to teach you what you got to go back to the drawing board and, and figure out again, recalibrate. Where do I need to work? Where do I need to make adjustments? You know, it's like, it's what halftime sport and sports games, right? Where you see a great team, and your football team and your head coach, who, who mm -hmm. you love, Kansas City Chiefs, are probably as good of an example of this. Because I don't know if there's any coach, that maybe other than Bill Belichick, other than Andy Reid, who makes adjustments better than he does. Mm -hmm. Most of the time these days, he's blessed. He doesn't have to because the first half goes so well. He doesn't have to adjust much. But <laughs> he's known for that. He's an, he's an amazing strategist. He's a brilliant strategist. But I think that's a, that's a big part of it is, you know, looking back and seeing what you need to adjust and how you go forward. And that's where, I think that's what, you know, that's what I, at least I personally drew on to get to what the level I'm at is looking back on the losses, looking back on the setbacks. So those journeys you go on losses that I had as an athlete that, you know, plant seeds of doubt professionally, it was getting wiped out in 2008, 2009, you know, mm. you can be winning and riding a bull market, which everyone is an expert in a bull market, right. As they say, so, but then when things shift, that's when you kind of find out who's made for it. But in that shift is where a lot of doubts can settle in. People can scratch their heads and wonder, was I ever really that good? Was I good enough? Or was it the marketing, the market that was propping up 
my business. And mm -hmm. then you got to answer the hard questions and look in the mirror. The same thing goes as an athlete or a coach and getting people ready. You know, people that have enjoyed a lot of success, sometimes when they have their first setback, then you're going to really find out what they're made of. And mm -hmm. that's where you can really choose to wire yourself in a way that you'll have a formula, you'll have a mindset to tap into forever of knowing how to bounce back and how to get there. So I think from a mindset standpoint, and you know, I know we were going to talk about this, but I'll jump into it. There's two different kinds of mindsets, but both, you know, both are winning mindsets. And when you've done them and you've got them, you've got those formulas, you've got those neural pathways that your brain remembers and the body remembers. And there's a familiarity that you can tap into and say, I know what to do here. I got the formula. I can do this again. I can get ready. I can prepare myself. I can lead up to this moment, this event, that thing, that event I want to put on or this thing I want to compete in. And that is, there's those that win pretty much just straight off the bat, right? They've got a formula. They were rewarded for that success. I'm not saying it came easy, but they just, they won. You know, they start off no matter how hard it was, they got there and they won. Great. That is a mindset now. That is a pathway that you can always tap into. That's a formula you have forever. And you can cross that over into other aspects of your life, be it personal, you know, with friendships, in business, competing, fighting back against an illness, whatever it might be, bouncing back, you'll be able to do it. But then there's those, then there's the winning mindset that comes on the heels of a loss. And this is the one that I really enjoy the most because I experienced this both professionally and athletically. And I think this is where you can kind of get somebody who's really invincible you know, and almost unbeatable is that the guy who can bounce back from the loss and learn from the loss and win on the heels of it, you know, he's got tough metal, you know, that he was able to bounce back, that he made it of it. And that formula, that mindset that you can tap into is forever empowering, you know, in anything that you ever do for the rest of your life, you'll always be able to tap into that. Do you see that one of those types of people is a better competitor than the other? Or do you feel like they're both prepared and just their own ways? I mean, personally speaking, I mean, the guy who can come back from the loss is going to be able to deal with it because we don't know how people react to things when they're faced, you know, with either adversity or tough things. You know, it's kind of it tied back to sports. There's a danger in a team being undefeated and rolling early in the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers were a classic case of this last football season, right? They got up to such a hot start, 11 and one or something. And everyone's like, dude, they're going to win it all. Then they got dealt a loss. And because they had to take everything came undone. So yeah. it was a house of cards. The confidence and everything that they were rolling with was so false, if you want to call it that. They just weren't able to bounce back. And yes, they were dealing with injuries and whatever, but the good teams can bounce back from that. So you want to take losses early in your career, you know, like that's why people who maybe got into the business and your story is great too. You know, you've shared your personal story with me on how you started. I mean, you, you were at rock bottom when you started mm -hmm. what you started and look at what you created. But I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think you'd be the same guy with the level of success and reach and influence that you have today if you had started on this like rush and maybe you hadn't endured that hardship or being in that space mm -hmm. to kind of retool yourself and just persevere and endure through those challenges. So there's great magic in that. And I find that the athletes and the people that are like that, of course, they're wired a little bit differently. There's a certain mental toughness there. And let's be honest too, so a lot of people who just aren't, they don't have that. I'm not saying they can't, but they just don't have that. And that's not something I can address or fix as a coach or somebody can work with on a professional level right away. That could take a long time. And maybe they just can't bounce back from it. Maybe the loss was so catastrophic, they just weren't able to, or when they were finally faced with adversity, it was just really tough to overcome. But the athlete, the professional, 
who has endured a loss, maybe won and lost some. They've got both, but they know how to bounce back from it. They know how to win and they know how to lose and learn and then win again. That's a great combination. Yeah, I agree. Um, a question that came up where you were saying that is like, have you developed like through the course, especially coaching elite athletes, some formula or system that helps somebody understand how to overcome adversity in a moment? Like, cause if you're in, in athletics, right? Like adversity is going to come, it's going to hit you right in the face and how you react to it in that moment will typically dictate how things go. I'm sure you see it a ton daily coaching people. I mean, how do you coach somebody through overcoming adversity in a moment? I mean, I think we can overcome adversity long-term. I think a, long, a lot of people can, if they'll do the work, but it's doing it, doing it like this, man, that's gotta be such a difficult thing to teach somebody how to do. It is a very difficult thing to teach and you can talk about it, but until a person's actually confronted with that or they have to face it, uh, it's really tough to, it's really tough to, to be able to instill it and see if you got it. But simulations definitely help the practicing, but also the preaching for me as a coach of staying within yourself. If you are super present, and this is where meditation and the mental game, which in all sports and in business, of course, is as important as the execution. The mental game is so much of it because if you stay within yourself, you're not antsy, you're not overly anxious, you're not all over the place. When something hits, you stay in a zone. Like when somebody is super focused and they're in a zone of concentration, the definition of that psychologically and physiologically is that they can't be taken off. They can't be taken off course. Someone's in a zone, like, and you've encountered this where like maybe you interrupt them or something and they just look at you really calmly and kind of come back and they're able to focus, not jumpy or jolty, right? That same chemistry that's going on in the body for someone who's in a zone in a moment like that has to apply in the moment of performance where they can get rattled. And then because those moments are going to happen. And I think knowing that they're going to happen and expecting them to happen will calm somebody down to the point where, okay, I'm not surprised by this. I have to quickly adjust. I need to quickly adapt. Now we have the benefit in coaching that we have it's two, two minute rounds, right? For fighters, or there's a round in between when someone's competing in patterns, they do their first one, they come back, we can make adjustments. So we use that to kind of recenter someone and hopefully any adversity they got hit with didn't knock them off so badly that they're not losing terribly now and we don't have too much ground to make up or they didn't completely lose their composure but simulations practicing it and also just expecting that some things may happen and how do you adjust uh are i think are, are thing ways to you know ways to combat that mm -hmm. why are this is going to sound like a silly question but why are performance uh uh, preparation and performance so synonymous like why 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 are we always taught and and the reason i'm asking this question because it seems like so many people fail to do it fail to prepare for the moment the relationship the business the fight the 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 with money like why is preparation so synonymous with performance yet so under practice it seems like in real life but there's no glory in it right glory <laughs> in it. everyone attaches themselves to the outcome or yeah. to the end results, which is why there's this fixation on it. We learn it as kids and you get wired that way. But when you find out it's not working, somebody hopefully along be, whether it's a coach, a parent, a mentor, or someone tells you that now it's becoming, you know, almost cliche. It's so commonly used that fixate on the process. Forget about that end result. When you set a goal, 
you know, when you set a goal, that's great. You wrote it down for something that you're preparing for. Now put that away and now write micro goals, like really break things down into small daily, hourly victories, monthly victories, and start stacking those. And if the focus is here on this process and on improvement, breaking through, improving, and dealing with setbacks in here, the end result will always take care of itself. And I think we're just so infatuated and romanticized by the end result because it's what we see. It's what we see people post. Mm-hmm. But very few people talk about the struggles or talk about their setbacks. Like I've done a post recently on a professional level about that last month we had a, you know, we had a really down month, not because we weren't performing well. We had a lot of just exterior, you know, outside conditions that affected some of our clients where we just weren't able to help as many people as possible. But it was that like, I guess, I don't know if it was the vulnerability or the honesty of just saying that, but it got such a tremendous response or feedback. And so many people reminded me, like all I ever hear about are people's wins. No one's talking about their, their actual struggle or their process that they've got to fixate on. And that's what I talked about. You just get back to the drawing board and you work at it. So people are just obsessed with end results. And that's why there's, you know, even though performance and preparation are supposed to be synonymous and one leads to the other, there's a sequence to that. And people have it backwards. They're like, okay, I got this goal. I'm fixated on it. And then I'm just going to go through the motions of preparing because I'm so fixated on this that they're not spending good quality time improving here or really making leaps and bounds. They're just going through the motions. And time will do that for you because every day starts and ends, right? You can just get through them and eventually get to this moment. You'll fall short and you'll wonder why. It was the wrong goal. They beat themselves up over it. They're negative about it. When in reality, the goal was right. It was great. No matter how ambitious it was, you basically fell short here. So mm. I, I tell the athletes we work with, your, your medals, your championships, your mental victories, they're all going to be won and lost on the track, in the weight room, and in the gym, in the dojo. The day of, that's a formality. That's going to take care of itself. If you focused here as best as you could and you put in everything here and you left nothing to chance, this will take care of itself. So forget about this. Just fixate here. Absolutely fixate obsessively right here. You know, and you you do this in your in your work, right? With the systems that you provide. I mean, that's what they are. They're systems. Yeah. Well, and I, my wife and I, we recently went through some incredible work together where we we wrote down like, okay, these are our goals. This is what we want to achieve next five years broken down to the next year and then we put it to the side and said okay now the question is not what do we do or how do we get there the question is who do we become who do we become in order to achieve what it is that we put out because everything that we've set out to achieve is going to be merely a byproduct of the identity we develop around whatever it is that we want to achieve. I think people hear it all the time. You say, I never understood what this meant. So a couple of years ago, people like, if you want to be a millionaire, you just got to think like one. It's like, well, what in the heck does that even mean? Like, I don't understand what you're saying, but I finally, you know, got the right coaching, got the right mentorship. And it's like, no, bro, develop the identity of a millionaire. What do they do? Who are they? What is their, what is their personality? What are their character traits? And I think that, I believe that that may be what you're saying, but you know, it's such a powerful thing because we got to look at it. We wrote everything, like we wrote all the character traits of the people we would need to become in order to achieve our goals. And then we went through with a red marker and said, these are the things that we are, are not. And these are the things that we are. And we got to hold those two things in, in our, in, in our hands and say, look, the people that we are today got us to where we are today. 
And the people that we are going to be tomorrow are going to get us to where we're going, we're going tomorrow. And like, it's such a powerful thing when you, when you focus on that, but is that kind of what you're saying? It's like, put the, put the end result aside and then go figure Mm -hmm. out like, what are the little steps? And then, you know, who do you have to become in order to to do those things? You have to become consistent, disciplined and routined and all those types of things. So powerful. And that's, I mean, that's a brutally honest thing. Not only that you just shared about what you and your wife did, but it's an honest evaluation of ourselves, right? Like what I've done has gotten me up to this point, but mm. for tomorrow and the goals that I've got, there's going to have to be an evolution, right? This, this alone yeah. will work. You got to be honest about that. You have to be really honest about it and then put forth the work. But there's a visualization technique that my, actually he's my business coach, but I used him actually in my mindset training for all my tournaments that I would compete in. That he called it the tunnel exercise where you just, Maybe at the start of a journey, whether you're training for an event or you've got a big goal, maybe it's the first of the year and you've got a production goal, you want to meet professionally, whatever it is, you start, you know, you've set that goal and now do a visualization technique of you being in this tunnel and you close your eyes and there's this long, long tunnel. And at the end of that tunnel is you, that version of you in the future, right? At that end goal, you know, and what, what do they look like? What does that person seem like well you know what kind of shape are they in? what's their mental bandwidth how tough are they how you know what, what you know they're a totally different person than where you are today now along the way if you kind of go through this tunnel you'll notice and looking left and right in these various rooms of struggle and moments certain mm-hmm. days work and grind that were put in and when you get to this person you know when you finally arrive there is that person going to be proud of the person that that walked up how are they going to look at that person and vice versa. And if it all aligns, you join as one, and then you're going to be ready and seize that moment. But you need to recognize that that, that version that at the end is going to be something different. And there's a lot of work that's going to have to happen along the way. So you can see them, just put that away now and start slowly walking through day by day and looking in these rooms and getting a glimpse of what this day was like, what that day was like, each day and preparing and getting you ready for it. And I remember him going through that with me, but it was really powerful. And then I I used it personally and I felt it really, I felt tremendous strength and inspiration from it. I drew and I've applied it with the, you know, all the guys that we work with. That's incredible. I, you, you, I, what I wrote down on my piece of papers you were talking is you got to let go of good to get to great. And, you know, sometimes you got to let go of great to get to excellent and, and, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, Tony Robbins says that, right? It's like just a few degrees, like yeah. good, great to excellent. That good to great is a big leap for some. But yeah. that great excellent, it's just something really small that separates it, but so many people miss it. Well, I think what like what made it so difficult for me to make that leap, and it sounds extremely arrogant calling myself great, but like what oh, no. made, what made it what it made it difficult for so long was I was unwilling to let go of what I had. And I think that I see I don't know if you see that a lot, but I it, it seems like people are so fixated on what they have. Like there's a lot of pride and maybe even ego around that. And then it's like, Hey, to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to put pieces of yourself away that are no longer useful. And it may be with people. It may be with personality. It may be with habits, but have you, have you seen that where it's like people struggle? Cause that's what it was for me. Like I just struggled, like, no, I work so hard to get here. I don't want to let go of this thing or this, this person or who I am or this routine. And it's like, Hey, shut up. Like to get to the next level, you're going to have to ditch it so that you can. And I think that what you're saying is people from good to great takes time from great to excellence fast. It's, it's almost seems like it's cause like when you get to that level in life, whatever that might be, where you feel great, you get 
to where you're like self-aware enough to say, well, we know what got us here. It goes back to some of your early comments. Now we know what's going to get us to the next level. We got to push this thing aside or that thing aside. Yeah. It's a formula, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you know what it took and you'll have to let go of some things event to event, but we've got these three levels when it comes to guys competing that we work with. There's out of shape, there's training shape and there's peak shape. Mm. And you always want to maintain, and I think this goes in life, you know, you don't let yourself go to fall out of shape because to turn the switch on, especially the older we get, and you know this because you're an athletic guy, you're fit, you take care of yourself, you and your wife both do, like, you can't go from here to here without enduring either some real serious pain or having to really, you know, somehow medically alter yourself to get there. It's going to be really, really right. tough. It might require some plastic surgery and all that to make it there. What you want to be in life is in training shape, which is that you can get through some tough things. You don't, you're not, you know, nobody can maintain this 365 days a year, but you want to be right here so that if you know there's something in front of you and you need to flip the switch, I've got eight weeks to get ready. You know, like performance athletes, marathon runners, triathletes, they're able to do this. They're always, they never let themselves go ever. You mm-hmm. never see a lot of shape. Like they may claim they're not in great shape and you're looking at them like, I would kill to look like that. But what they are is they're in training shape. And then they know if they've got a race or something, like I can flip the switch. I know what the formula is to train, to prepare myself, what I need to do in a daily, weekly, monthly routine to go in eight weeks from here to here. This is attainable. From here to here is not attainable. So if you're here, you need to get yourself to here and endure all that struggle to get here. And then you want to maintain this in life. And that way you can go from here to here because moments are going to call on you to do this. There's going to be certain things in life that will happen that'll call on you to do that. You need to do it. The letting go of part, which I think you beautifully put. And I, and that's so powerful because there are things that we have to let go. That's going to carry over from event to event. Yes. You've got a formula to go from here to here. That doesn't mean you do everything the exact same. You're going to have to adjust and adapt to these different moments. You're going to have to let go of some ego. You've got a structure, you've got a framework of how to do this and this, but there will certainly be some new elements or things that you have to introduce. And in order to do that, you're going to have to let go of some things. Most of which are ego driven and, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're only as good as your last win, right? Or you're only as good as your last great month. That doesn't right. mean it's going to happen or that it's given. So you'll have to adjust and, and still put in the time and the work, but at least you've got the formula. You've got the framework. Yeah, man. I love it. A, a couple, few minutes ago, you mentioned the word vulnerability. I want to bring that back up. How important or, or is it, is vulnerability important to a lot of what you do in coaching elite athletes? Um, and I know that sounds like a weird question, but I do believe vulnerability is important in leadership in, in, in influence and in business, or it can be, it can be a great tool, but do you feel like in a lot of what you do, vulnerability has, you know, I guess maybe, maybe, is it a tool that people use in, you know, top performers? I think it's absent in a lot of leadership and in performance coaching. It's just Mm. because everyone, not everyone, I should say, sorry. There's a lot of people that come at things with a, they, they develop a philosophy, albeit a leadership philosophy or a, a coaching philosophy. And then they, they use it as a one size fits all approach. And the reality is, is human beings are extremely complicated, different, very different and dynamic creatures. Mm. And a one size fits all philosophy doesn't even work. You know, that's why that's the gripe that people have with education in this country. And then, you know, yep. and, and other systems, it just, it doesn't always work. It, you know, it, You'll get a certain amount of people that will pull through and a lot of people will get left behind in that approach. I think in coaching, and I heard this, this was said by Coach Pete Carroll, the Seattle Seahawks coach. I read his book called Win Forever, which is a great book for anyone who's a coach 
or is a leader of an organization. And he said in there, it's just as important to not only have your own coaching philosophy, but you gotta, you gotta learn your learners. You gotta know the people that you coach. What makes them tick? What buttons, what triggers do they have? Because your whole one size fits all solution to leading a company or leading a group or coaching a group is not going to work. You need to know these people, you know, mm-hmm. and get to know them. And he gets criticized a lot for being a player's coach. People are like, oh, he's too friendly with his, with his athletes. That's what people are seeing. But when you read this, you understand it's not that he's just being friendly with them for the sake of being friendly or because he wants to be everyone's buddy. Mm-hmm. It's that he knows his guys. And in leadership, you know, you have to do the same thing, I believe. The one size fits all thing doesn't work. Like know your audience, know the people that you're going to lead and therefore make some adjustments, accept some humility. And to do that, to bring it back again, is going to require immense vulnerability and honesty with yourself. Because, and that's what's going to help you engage these people. You know, being vulnerable as a leader and being being very honest will help you connect with them and them see you as as an equal in terms of a human being, but it'll make them want to follow you and be inspired by you. And in coaching, it's very much the exact same thing. And I, I just feel that the two kind of go together that way. But um, it's it's all about knowing, you know, learning your learners, you know, knowing your athletes, knowing your people, not just knowing yourself and saying, I'm going to come in there. I don't care who this audience is. And we're just going to lay this down. And when they don't adhere to it or they don't follow you, like, screw them. You know, they don't mm-hmm. get it. They're not on board with me. They're not, uh, they're not on this mission with me. Well, you lost them, you know, or maybe, right. you, never, maybe you never had them. So I think that's really important. What I've noticed is that some of the most successful people I've ever interacted with have such a high degree of EQ, emotional quotient. Their emotional intelligence is just through the roof. And it sounds like what you're describing is knowing your people, like not necessarily like that they like candy and, uh, you know, iPhones or nice cars, like, (laughs) like what actually makes them tick emotionally? How do they function? Because if you can emotionally read people, you know, it just makes you such a dynamic human being because you know how to interact with everybody. Yes. Um, you know, and is that kind of what you're saying? hundred percent. If you know them, you'll connect with them. And if you can connect with them, you can lead them, inspire them, empower them. You'll take them places. Mm. Uh, but it, it comes with you being, you know, vulnerable in that relationship or that connection to them and really listening, you know, seek to understand, not be understood. So many people just want to spit out what they're saying and just have to be accepted. And you listen to me because I'm in charge. You listen to me because I'm leading or I'm running for office. And I know that's not it. People are just going to be very tone deaf to that. And as the generations go, and as people get older, you know, they're not, there's no, there's no real respect for that type of a hierarchy or that type of a dynamic. Not anymore. Yeah. No, definitely not anymore. You know, not not in the society we live in, in a democracy and in a free market system. And, you know, and, in the, in, the, in the country we live in, where it comes to competing and you know being an athlete and being coached or coaching, none of that stuff works. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. What, are, what are your top, like top two or three, maybe we call them principles that you see just translate? I know we've talked about so many of them since we've been on here, but like, what are some of the similarities you see as you performed as an athlete, as you coach athletes, as you've succeeded in business, as you've become influential, like what are some of these things? Like if you took a step back, like, man, I've noticed that this thing carries across all of those. And I noticed like this thing carries across all of those. Like what, what are some of the differences? Cause I'm a firm believer that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yes. And it would seem that. like there's just so many direct correlations to like each step. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think the, 
the one mindset or the one saying of you know being equal to the moment is is big that we touched on earlier. That's one. Yeah. I, another one or another mindset or like a kind of a, a trade or something I draw back on is you use each day as a chance to get better. Like when you're going into the gym, don't expect miraculous leaps and bounds or gains. Or when you get to the track that day, you got to put in your work. Or when you get into the office, like we set so many ambitious goals because we see people, you know, crushing so many goals and posting all these huge victories. But just, just recognize that when I walk through the door, when I start the day, when I get into that gym, today is a chance to get better. Just get better. I need to improve somewhere. I need to get one victory. And I need to break one barrier. I have mm -hmm. one, you know, bound, you know, jump over one bound or one one new new height I need to clear. And if you do that and you start stacking these things, you'll build momentum, you'll build a formula for success. And in that momentum, that momentum is infectious, it's 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 uh, it's energetic and it can propel you to a lot of things. So seeing that each day is a chance to get better, as opposed to saying I've got to get it all done in one shot, which is too overwhelming and then it just leads anyone to become disappointed. That's a big mindset, I feel. It really is. And then doing just, just doing the introspective reflecting work, you know, like when, when something doesn't go your way, have the hard talk with yourself and be realistic about it. Have the hard talk with yourself about isolate it for what it is, let it in, feel it, you know, roll with it. Don't, don't, you know, not look at the tape of a loss that you have because you're just too afraid to look at it or you're so mad about it or look at the numbers or the analytics of a bad month that you had in terms of performance at work or in your business, you know, you have to get into that stuff, maintain a good mindset that look, I, this is a chance that I have to, I have to seize here to improve and get better as opposed to just being negative and saying, we're turning the page on it. We're going forward. No, I think there's actually some real, let's, let's not turn the page. Let's stop for a second and really, really dig in here because that's a chance to evaluate so that we don't repeat some of these things or that we can learn from. So those three mindsets, are, are things that I like to draw on that I think cross over, like you said, they, they're so synergistic in, in performance and in business and, and go back and forth. It's a fluid state. I love it, man. I think that I hear that quote all the time. So there's no elevator to success. You got to take the stairs. And right. <laughs> while I agree with it, what I've learned about performance is that really consistency is the elevator it's going to get you there faster than anybody else is going to get there because so many people, like you said earlier, are just looking at the end result and they're not looking at what is required to get to that place in life. And what I've just been so fascinated with about as I've lived my life is that anytime I've committed to consistency, I might've woke up in like six months or a year or two or five. And it just felt like the time flew by. Like, it's just like, I cannot believe what my life looks like today and I was consistent through all of these things. We're all consistent. You know, some people are just consistent with good habits and rituals and routines. And some are consistent with not so good habits, rituals and routines. But I, I, the point is like, you're going to wake up in a month and just like, man, where did the time go? And you're going to wake up in a year and in a decade. And so I guess if you just commit to that hard work, um, yeah. life, life get, can get easier and easier and easier. And it goes by quick, right? And this is probably to your point is because you're so immersed in it. That's why it's flying by. You blink. And it goes by because you were immersed in it. I'm not saying you enjoyed every second of it, that there was like pleasure in it. Yeah, yeah. there's stuff, hard work, but there's actually in its own weird way, there's enjoyment in that because you are, there's a party that does get addicted to that grind and you're enjoying the stuff and you're enjoying the growth that's coming by way of suffering and just being dead half the time and tired and exhausted. Yeah. But 
that's when you blink and it goes by quick because you enjoyed it. But it's uh, yeah, it is it is that journey and it does go by quick. You're right. I I have found that if you engineer hard, like into your life intentionally, man, it just seems like life gets easier and easier and easier, and it gets more enjoyable. Like mm-hmm. the, the the hardest thing I had to do today was sprint um, eighty yards four times. And wow. I felt like death afterwards. <laughs> like I was like, man, dude, that was awful. But I got done. I was like, that is the hardest thing I'm going to do all day. Yeah. And then I got into the, got into the house and, you know, went through my routine and, and I got into the office and, you know, I just had a blast. It's like, but if you engineer like super hard stuff into your life, it's fascinating, like how it just gets easier and easier. Now, have you ever experienced that? And do you, do you do that? Do you do that with your athletes? Do you engineer yeah. hard? Like, do you hardwire them? that we yeah it's like you know i think like this is almost like a football mantra because you feel it in like you know you played pop warner right or did you play youth football or in high school i i played a little bit of junior high football for a couple of years i probably would have been a a great linebacker i was i had so much fun hitting people but i i started playing i was committed to baseball so i i I quit after a couple years great sport and probably prolonged your your physical (laughs) for a lot longer but like football, they jump into two a days, right? And yeah. part of it is like they, they're hitting you with the hard stuff first. So they literally got to shock you into some semblance of shape. And it is like, like leading up to it, you know, in high school, you're like dreading it. Like three months out, you've got a count on in your brain going, like you can't even enjoy yourself. Like, man, those, those doubles they come in, in the heat. And then, you know, training camp is like that for athletes. And we do the same thing with our guys. Like we hit it hard, one, because we want to, it's not that we're trying to weed people out, but we also want to see what people are made of right out yeah. of the gates. And I'm, I'm in the military, they do this, right? Like Navy SEAL training is, there's probably no greater example of what, what they put guys through, but it's what's required, you know, to wear that badge, to wear mm-hmm. the colors or for like what we say to have the, to have the flag on your back. You know, this is the, this is the price you pay. This is the toll. This is the admission. And, yeah. uh, you got to do that, but it's, you do, you will find not that we even advertise it or say it, but the athlete, We'll figure that out over time. Like, look, I went through some shit in the early going here. Like, this was rough. But then it makes the rest of the things feel so, so beatable, so measurable. Like, you can scale it. Like, yeah, you know what? I already went through that. This is hard here, but I can get through this. I got this. And that that type of mental toughness and metal, you know, you start stacking that and you create it. You can really rewire someone to make them, you know, make them relentless and make them invincible in their moments. Man, it's it's like what they say. It doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. And uh, yeah, get I, I think more people should just stop trying to avoid it. Like it, the, the quote that's come up for me a million times in the last two months is the obstacle is not in the way. The obstacle is the way. And totally. if you'll that's move beautiful. through those things, and that was Brian Colhane said that to me for the first time uh, and in a, in a words of wisdom podcast interview. Um, but like, it's just come up so many times. I've had so many opportunities to, to say that to other people, like, Hey, this hard thing is not in your way. It is the way if you'll move through this, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to come out so much stronger. People have to go through that. You got, and I, I did a, a post on it not too long ago. Do you want to work with a guy who's 10 and 0 or nine and one? And that, mm. that one loss he had was kind of early on. The obvious answer to some people that may be so short-sighted about, I want the 10-0 guy. He's undefeated. He must be yeah. great. That guy, we don't know what kind of a mental midget that guy is when he's actually really faced with a bad day or a loss. If it happens, right? Mm-hmm. It could happen. Is that going to send his career backwards? And then we're just like, oh, he never was that great to begin with. 
You know, he was maybe propped up. Maybe those 10 wins were easy wins that anyone could have got. Or the guy who's nine and one and dealt with that. Like you got to deal with loss, like some adversity in life. And it sounds silly and almost cliche, but it really is true. Like I want to deal, I want to work with the guy who's, who's been through some stuff and used, refused to quit, you know, or he's, he's overcome those things because he's got, he's got, he's got a, a canvas I can work with there. He's wired yeah. for success because he knows about setback. He knows about disappointment, heartbreak, whatever, like all those, like, you know, you go through heartbreaks as a young person in your dating life, right? You need to go through those because it'll make you better equipped for the inevitable end all relationship you do have with that partner, yeah. right? But yeah. if you've never gone through any of that stuff, I mean, you're, you're setting yourself up to be a nightmare of a partner one time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Man, man, this has been such an amazing interview, dude. I cannot thank you enough for taking your time. Uh, just so Thanks, much value, brother. so much expertise. And I appreciate your mindset, appreciate your leadership and all the stuff you do. Uh, you know, I hope that uh, you guys just keep keep crushing it, keep having success. And, and thank you again for, for sharing all your wisdom. Thanks, Grant. And I appreciate you having me on, brother. It's been a great friendship that we uh, we started a few years ago at an event. Yeah. You've been you've been out to an event that I had and provided immense value, and I'm happy to happy to give back in any way I can to your audience. But keep putting out what you do, man, because it inspires so many of us. So we love you for it, buddy. Oh, I appreciate that. You too, man. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Words of Wisdom. I hope you got a lot from the show. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Words of Wisdom. This is a show designed to inspire you to become a better leader so that you can win in all areas of your life. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Please rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget, go off and share your favorite words of wisdom from today's show.